Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cenopartanars. Mm-hmm. That is Christophanopoulos. And that is Cody. Cody. That's <laughs> 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 why, why don't you... Why don't you have any cool nicknames for me? I am not as creative as you. Well, you heard it here, folks. I win the creative game. That's right. <laughs> Who knew it was a competition? <laughs> we didn't. How was your Christmas? It was quite nice. And just me. I was about to say that that means you didn't see me or do anything. That's right. I pretty much stayed at the house and played PlayStation 5 all day. Mm-hmm. You were Spider-Man. But what, what was Spider-Man uh, around? What was yours? <sighs> it was a, kind of the same thing except minus the Spider-Man. Mm. That was that's mm. what it was for me. Um I don't know. It was very interesting. We had um my sister and her two kids. They came down from Minnesota. And we're staying in our parents' house. So it was kind of interesting. We we didn't really know what we were supposed to do. It was like, do we go? Or do we stay home? <laughs> so we went and stayed distant from everybody. So you went and just sat in the truck the whole time. Pretty much. I mean, that's basically what we did. Yeah, and we just we just sent little little paper airplanes inside with notes written on them. It's a great time. <laughs> it's a great time. But I ate a lot of food. It was awesome. I definitely got off of my gluten free train. Yeah. That day it mm-hmm. was um it was a great ride home for Lexi. How, mu- how, how much pizza have you had since? Falling off the Doesn't train. matter. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say my Christmas was actually more dominated by uh, kind of what we're talking about today, which was Matthew McConaughey's book. Oh. Which is a sentence that I never thought ever that I was going to say, <laughs> which I guess means that the thing that he really wanted to happen later on in the book where he rebranded himself worked. Yeah. Because he's. Definitely rebranded himself. It also lets you know that you don't really know like an act, like these actors that are constantly cast in these roles. Oh, yeah. You know, like I, I immediately kind of think about Robert Pattinson, mm-hmm. which I know is weird for me to immediately think of him in any context. But it is, you know, he's kind of, I think, doing the same thing. Like he's trying to do way oh, more yeah. serious movies now. And I guess to distance himself from... Well, it is interesting to see his specific career because his stuff, especially uh, like like Water for Elephants was the first time yeah. I saw him and thought, wow, this dude can actually yeah, act. He might be a good actor. It's not. It was just the direction he was given for four movies. It's kind of like watching the first like episode one through three of Star Wars and you're like, Natalie Portman's a good actor. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> who breaking my heart in? Who, yeah. Who, who did this? Yeah. Oh, the director did this. Mm-hmm. And you see her in something like Black Swan, and you're like, oh, yeah. Okay. Or just she can literally anything, anything else. else. It's like, why would you cast her in this role if you're going to, you know, that doesn't make any sense. Why are you going to put all these restraints on her? I don't know. It's obviously either. a vision that he was going for, but it just totally ruined. I realized I just shrugged at you, and it's like, no one could hear that. You definitely <laughs> shrugged. <laughs> you just need to do a sound next time. <laughs> So uh, I know Um, you finished the book, and I I did finish downloaded the audio book a day. What uh, what are your? Let's get your overall thoughts before we really dive deep into this. I am incredibly impressed by his just sheer lack of will, yeah, and perseverance. I mean, he's definitely somebody who who values knowing who he is 
a lot. I mean, just like mm-hmm. making sure that he's constantly keeping himself in check, which I think is very admirable because I can imagine it's very difficult to say like, hey, you know, I've now got all this money and really I don't have to do any self-discoveries anymore because, I mean, he could have just done romantic comedies till the end of time and got paid like, you know, six, seven million dollars a movie for five weeks of uh-huh. work. <laughs> just moved on with his life. <laughs> but I, I I just I really respect his his ability to constantly want to better himself. Yeah. Like I, I appreciate that just doing the rom coms, like to him, that wasn't enough. Right. I want to do more. I want to see more. I mm-hmm. want to explore well, more. Well you think his beginning of his career it's just so interesting how he started out. I mean it was literally like somebody just threw a movie at him yeah (laughs) just just uh, just so frustrating (laughs) reading it i was like look at him he's like a really handsome dude no i know it's not fair (laughs) um but uh and just hearing his story about the his first day on set for dazed and uh, dazed and confused um yeah it was dazed confused uh and just like how that all went down and how he became more involved in the movie just by being present Mm-hmm. which is so much. I mean, I know I tell my students that all the time. Like you, if you're just in the room, your chance of being a part of it in a bigger way goes up a hundred percent. Oh yeah. I mean, I know a lot of the jobs that I've had, if, if I have a smaller role, if I go to every single rehearsal, I'm going to be put into the scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, you're here. Hmm. That's <laughs> it. Well, what if we, uh, let's, let's see if we put you in there. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Like that just, that's all, all the time. It's just such a weird business. It's like abide by the rules, but uh, I mean, you could not abide by the rules yeah. and be okay. But it's like you said, though, being present and not just showing up and like sitting. I see this a lot nowadays, especially with younger people on sets being on their phones the entire time. Like you want oh, yeah. someone that is there and is attentive to what is happening on the scene mm-hmm. and, and and or on the set and on in the scene rather. And uh, having having those people pay attention to know what comes next yeah, and what comes after, like how to set that up better. And then as a director, like you're saying, you, you would probably insert them into different places. Well, knowing that somebody the is there and wanting to put in the work, you're going to want to use that person as much as possible. Oh yeah. I know I very early on in college, I was doing a, I was doing a show and the directors just said to everyone, you know, when you're in this space, I don't want to see anybody on their phone. I don't want to see you guys really talking to each other unless it's about the show. So whenever you come in here, let's just dedicate these three hours or four hours, however long we're here to just doing this one thing. And if you're called to be in one scene, but you're still here for the rest of the day, then you should go and work on your script. He said, because you know, we only have so long to get this right. And I think from, Hearing that at a younger age for me, it was just like the perfect thing. Yeah. And it just showed me like, you know what? I It's true. We have all of this time. And really, the only thing that's going to keep us from succeeding is bad habits and laziness. Yep. What and is it that he says? He says something about uh, uh, get married to good habits. Let yeah. them dominate your life. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was interesting. Yeah. He's just always looking for the a better way of doing things. Yeah. And becoming better yeah which i just i think is very admirable and also he has a lot of crazy stories which is a lot of fun <laughs> yes just the things that you know being present and being willing to 
to say yes. Yeah. I mean, he really does say yes to everything. Yep. Um, and just being that way puts you, I think, in the in the right rooms. Oh, of course. You you everything is a party. Mm-hmm. It's definitely no where a party for him. It's yeah. definitely a party for him. But he also works hard too. Like there's mm-hmm. also some backdoor work that he's yeah, like through doing. The, through the book, I just kept thinking, like, when do you go to sleep, man? <laughs> like <laughs> yes. go to bed. Like, do you I just wonder like are you just going 90 miles an hour forever and then sleep for two weeks? Like no one sees you. And then you're like, all right, I'm ready to go again. Right. Well, I just got to the part in it where he's like making the decision to go become an actor and go to film school and everything. And from law school, never, yes. he's never acted ever. So everything up to that point to me is a life fully lived. Yeah. Like how is there more to you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he gets to the point of, of switching over and going to law school, and uh, and and goes into film school just because he did some creative writing. Yeah, and went into his buddy's uh, or to the frat house and picked up a book about a salesman. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, hey, this is really you. awesome. I think it's just he talked about that and he was like, you know, I just now I don't really I'm not worried about making all A's mm-hmm. and I'm gonna read this book. Like I'm not stressed out about that test because I feel like I'm gonna learn more from this book. Yeah, and. I, and then just immediately was like, yep, I want to be an actor. Like, he's never tried. He's yeah. never tried it. And he's going to completely do this huge shift. But being okay with that, I don't, I don't know. I think there's some respect there for me that, that I have for him. Oh, yeah. Well, it was his friend is telling him all the time, you know, hey, you're a really good storyteller. Yeah. All these things that you've submitted are really good and original ideas that I'm basically mm-hmm. taking credit for your work. Yeah. So to have that sort of affirmation and then to think, I bet I could. I bet I could just try it. And what is interesting to me, like the last thing that I I was listening to, he said, I had this 3.82 GPA, mm-hmm. but I'm going to film school and that doesn't matter. Anymore. Yeah, it does not. Matter. He said, nobody is going to hire you outside of film school because you had a good grade point average. Absolutely. Like, yeah, that's 100% right. They want to see you produce yeah, they want to see your, something. And he didn't have anything. And yeah. I did like that he went into the dean's office. I don't know if you've gotten to this point, but he goes into the dean's office and he's talking to them. And they're like, look, you're missing all of the time. You're not here. You're getting bad grades. And, I mean, you're make, you're doing well on the tests. And you're turning in your stuff on time, but you like a part of our grade is attendance and you have to be in class. And he said, well, the thing that I'm learning to do here is what I'm being offered to do outside of here. Yeah. And the only way that I'm going to become better at that is to have something to show. And that's where he talks about the grade point average. And he says, you know, I will continue to turn in all of my work on time. I will do all of my tests. I will make sure that it's all a work and you can just give me straight C's for the rest of the year. That's all I care. Just give me straight C's <laughs> and and I will continue to do what I'm doing. He said the dean didn't say anything and he went on about his business and kept doing what he was doing. And he got straight C's. But he said, he said, I learned more as a C student than I did as an A student. It's interesting to, to, to hear that. I love that. I was like, yes, oh, yeah. that's 100% right. It's interesting to hear that because it's the one profession that's probably so subjective. Yeah. Um. In that, you know, if you went to the doctor, you don't want to go to a C doctor. Mm-hmm. You want to go to the A plus doctor. Well, of course, but also like you're not getting, you're not getting the education inside of a classroom for film school. No, or for absolutely. School. Yeah. You're getting education on the job. The more you do, it the is more an you on learn. the job training yeah. thing. It is a trade. 
Yeah, most definitely. And so I think when I was listening to him say that, I was like, man, it just doesn't make sense why a school would would stop you from getting outside work, especially like that. Because if he does become famous, guess what? Now you've got someone in your film program that you yep. can point to and be like, hey, Matthew McConaughey, win here. Bring him back yeah. for, for speeches for less money. And then, you know, in five <laughs> years, you give him a doctorate for yep. no reason. Honorary. They, they do have that, like that NR. The honorary. A, the HN. As I remember whenever Oklahoma City did that with Chris and Chenoweth. Yeah. They gave her a, an honorary doctorate. She's like, oh, look at me. I got a doctorate now. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> None of the work. Got it. Okay, that's not fair. <laughs> she's she did done a lot a, of the work. A lot yes, of work. Absolutely. She's done a lot of work. And now she's kind of teaching there as like an online master class. That's awesome. Which is pretty neat. I love all of these master classes that people like uh, 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 Ron Howard mm-hmm. offers all the and, and the thing that I well Ron Howard offers Jody a lot Foster of these. Just did one too. Yeah, like uh, like Ron Howard is really involved in bringing up new talent a lot of times. Yeah, and I when you, that's kind of like how he got his start. But it's it's really cool to have people like that. In fact, I think Matthew McConaughey teaches an acting class or a film class at a university. He might. I think I think I think for sure it's at uh, the Longhorn School. What is I'm that? Sure, Austin A and M, something no. like that. Maybe <laughs> we are not these people. <laughs> yeah, Texas A and M is different. That must be. That's got to be it. Austin is Longhorn, Texas A and M. Yeah, then that that's that's it. It's it's the state school in Austin. Yeah, because SMU is the Mustangs. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, all in the and book, in everyone. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but I also really liked that you know, throughout his story, there was so much that he had to overcome and that he was just so willing to talk about it. Of course, whenever you turn 50 years old, he's written this book now, he's 50 looking back on it. Yeah. There is. Well, that's sort of the premise. He kept these notes for 40, 35, 40 years, whatever. And then he like sat down in isolation during the quarantine and wrote this book, like through his old notes and is reliving his life. So, yeah. I, um, I just, I know that I have journaled before. Mm-hmm. I know that I enjoyed it. I don't think that I've enjoyed it to do it for 35 years. Yeah. I also feel like, not saying anything against him but or anybody who journals really, I just feel like if I were to journal and it's totally a, self, a selfish thing. Yeah. Because I don't want anybody to read this. I feel like if you journal in a way you want someone to read it. Yeah. Is this am I wrong by this? No, no, because I, I think that be. same thing, which is why I have never journaled. Yeah, you don't do it because I don't want uh, because also like then I feel like it's just kind of what what's the purpose? Is yeah. what I think. Because I want to create something that I want others to read and indulge in right. and like get lost in or whatever. Like, oh, and, so then my words and my life is important. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what it is. I just don't feel like Anything that I have done is that consequential or secret. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I just like, I don't need a journal for other people to find out about this. Yes. Like, I just, what are they going to know? Yeah. I mean, I remember going back and reading back in a time where I thought journaling was appropriate, which is, you know, like ninth grade. Yeah. And all of those are, all of those have been thrown away. <laughs> like, just there's not a single journal that survives. It's, it, it, okay, it would be horrifying to go back and read like your high school self Ooh. and to see like I oh, was I incredibly did. selfish. I was selfish and silly 
I was a silly person. Yeah. Like You're nothing still a about, silly person. Yes, but this was silly in a different way. This was like, man, nobody, there's, you've never, there was never cause for this many feelings. Yeah. No matter what happened. But I mean, I, I do think it would be cool to have done that and be able to go back and look and see your progression, like yeah. how you grow. I guess if you somehow are doing it for the right reasons, it's like Dak Shepard journals incessantly. Well, yeah, that's that. I was going to talk about that too because he talked about how when he quit journaling is when he started because he was 16 years of he had 16 years of sobriety and then fell yeah. off the bandwagon this past year, and like to have that sort of be the thing that he quit doing and sort of led him back into that dark place or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I, there, there are some benefits to like, I have to see that well, and sure hear that like and think that therapy. there are benefits. I'm sure it is like therapy in a way. Yeah. I just can't, I just can't get over the fact that it's probably just so that someone will read it. Yeah. Also, it'd be me after you pass. I, I'd go through all of them. Do remember this, the last <laughs> journal that I kept, I'll just full out tell this story. You're welcome. Doesn't matter. The person I I'm going to talk about. To I'm tell repositioning. Story. I don't even care. <laughs> so I was working at your college, actually. Okay. A job that I should not have had. Still doesn't make sense to me to this day why that I had this job. But I, it's just like one of those things. This is <laughs> if I if I still had a journal, this is what would go in the memoir. Um, but for some reason, whenever I was attending another university and I was very young, I ended up as the tech director of your theater program and I was like 21. Yeah. Don't really understand. Uh, but cool. I mean, I, it was awesome. I needed the money. I had no other way of making money at the time. So I was going to classes somewhere else and going back to LC and teaching. (laughs) 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 Oh, so fun. Anyway. Again, how we never met until later on in life. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I was there every day. I was there every day. But I was dating at the time uh, our friend Mandy. Mm. And have I told you this story before? I don't know. I mean, I didn't know know where this is going. Yeah, I do know that you guys did date. So Mandy and I were really close. We were good friends. And. We were dating and then we broke up somewhere in there and it was actually very tragic and awful. And it was because I was a jerk and I admit that fully. And that was that was really, <laughs> really bad. I mean, look at the maturity. coming. We were right not now. destined for greatness. Obviously, <laughs> she has she has married. She's living her life. She's yes. much happier. We're both very like that was not we yeah. were not destined yeah, yeah, for yeah. greatness. So um, anyway, she was having like a bad day. And she came to my house and she like didn't have any money. I'm totally well, throwing you out off the bus here, Mandy. Yeah. Uh, Dax, sorry. Uh, totally throwing you under the bus, Dax. So she comes over and she doesn't have money for food. So I like take her to Walmart and I get frozen food for her to like have and to bring back to her dorm and tell her like, look, you can hang out at the house. I have to go because I had a tech class at LC. <laughs> So I have to leave, so I'm just going to leave you here at my house, eat, do whatever, watch TV, and, you know, just live your dreams. Yeah. Calm down. So I leave, and then she proceeds to go and read my journals. (laughs) (laughs) Have I not told you this? Well, Dax, if you listen to this podcast, you're welcome. (laughs) 
So she reads my journal and she reads in there the real reason why we broke up. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and are you willing to reveal the real reason? Yeah, I mean, sure. Why not? It doesn't matter. I mean, and what's really fun now is that the reason why we broke up is um, I don't, I don't, just like so interesting to talk about on this podcast. Lexi's going to be banging her head up against the wall. She's like, I can't believe you talked about this. Um Mandy, who is now Dax, yeah, is a lesbian, uh-huh. and the girl that is the reason why we broke up is also now a lesbian. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just helped along the way. I guess I don't know. But you're like they, the good luck Chuck of lesbians. I am the good luck. <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> that works. So um, anyway, we so she read in there that I was sad that we started dating and that I wish that we would have stayed friends and that I was not mature enough to figure out how to handle the situation. And then I got a phone call from this other girl and that I ended up kissing her. And I was like guilt ridden about this. And so I broke up with her. So she reads this and we're doing you're a good man, Charlie Brown at LC. And she is mad. She's Mm -hmm. very mad. And, um, Still took all that food that I bought her, though, by the way. I just want that to be clear. <laughs> Not mad enough to leave the food. Just took that, but was secretly mad and didn't actually I mean, tell I'm me I'm upset, why. but I am also hungry. <laughs> but so. I'm taking this Bertelli. <laughs> I'm taking this Marie it. Calendars. It's coming with me. So uh, we start doing the show, and people in the all of a sudden, like the cast just started being so rude to me, and I did not understand what was going on. And... Everybody was upset, and then stuff started happening on set. Like, I opened up the... They had the book report song, uh-huh. and I opened up my folder, and it said, quit the show, the whole cast hates you. <laughs> oh. It was that way on stage. Is this... Because I went and saw that show, and whatever night that I went and saw it, you yes. put the skates on, and yeah. they were, like, full of, like, shaving cream or something? Yep. Because I remember seeing your face, and you put them on, and you could see it, like, come out of the skate a little bit, and I went, oh, no. I was so... I've never been so furious in a moment because I'm all about like, you know, you want to like mess with me or do whatever. That's fine. But the minute that you do something that's going to hurt the integrity of the show. Yeah. Oh, I was mad. Yeah. I was so mad. Um, Yeah. I put my feet into those skates and they were full of shaving cream and I had to skate out into the audience Mm. and then leave and then rip because it was a quick thing and I had to rip the skates off and then immediately put them into my shoes. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I was so mad. And then afterwards, I can't remember exactly what happened, but she eventually fessed up to it. She's like, oh, yeah, this is why. It's like, oh, never kept a journal again. <laughs> I was like, and I'm out. No, never doing this ever again. Well, the fact that she fessed up to it sounds like there was some sort of reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we we talked. I mean, we're we're still friends. Okay, okay. I'm we're just still making friends. sure that there's not like that's a- what I'm saying. If she listens to this, <laughs> she's probably gonna get a good laugh. But I mean, we're we're still friends. And well, you were kids then. Technically, I mean, re- I realistically, you were kids. Yeah, and I was so stupid. I think I think that was one of the things when I was reading this book. Actually, it definitely made me look back on my own life and the choices that I made just growing up and how dumb I was. Yeah, and and truthfully it highlighted a lot of the moments where I was not a great person, which I don't think is a great place to, I mean, I think it is good to notice those things. Well, you, you evolve away from those things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just, 
a great person in the way that I used to be incredibly selfish. I'm sure I'm still kind of selfish, but I used to be very, very selfish, especially in the way of things that I wanted and getting the stuff from other people. Yeah. You know, and then just not caring. Yeah. Being like, all right, moving on. <laughs> you know, got what I wanted. Time to yeah, go. Time to go. So, um, oh, man, that was just like such a weird, crazy time. There's a lot of other stories that I can tell you from that time, but it's just not right now. I don't know if I want it immortalized. Well, that was a great in one. In this online journal, That's which a, is just was, ridiculous right. that we're talking about this. And we're like, hey, we also have a podcast. Oh. <laughs> it's an audio journal. The uh, But it, it is interesting to, I mean, it wasn't beneficial for you to keep a, a journal, but to have someone, mm. um, well, okay, so I'll say, he, he gets to this part where he he basically spends this year in isolation away from his family because he goes off to this foreign exchange program. And I definitely don't mm-hmm. want to ruin the story. It is, get the book. It's so fantastic to hear this part of the story. But he spends this year in isolation. And that is what he claims is what the event that made him so introspective. Yeah. And to have a year of that in your life at such a young age sort of, I, and, and you know, you were talking to me about like his philosophy in life later on and, mm-hmm. and how that year has shaped that. Yeah. So it would be interesting to think what, I, I mean, I'm not going to do it now. I, it's too late in life for me to start journaling. But <laughs> oh, to, I thought to you were going to say I'm that. not going to be a foreign exchange student in Australia. No, no I, I think I'm done with school. <laughs> I'm pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Um, but not with learning in general, but like with school specifically, yes, I think I'm done. But to have to be able to go back and to like relive that stuff yeah, and to understand like, Oh, that was the moment that I did this, that Mm -hmm. I became this way. Yeah. And you know, he had spent so much of his life, his home life was very different and a struggle, even though he doesn't really seem to feel that way about it. Like it's interesting. He talks about it with reverence. He knows that it was a struggle. I think he just really loves his family and is like, this is the way we are. And this is the way I grew up. And it made me who I am and I'm good with it. I mean, yeah. there is stuff in my own life that I'm like, yeah, you know, this stuff happened and it was messed up and I'm moving on. Yeah. You, know, you have the same stuff. Um, you're not just dwelling on it forever. I think no, that's kind yeah. of the big thing. But he definitely was, I think, in the in a fight or flight mode <laughs> yes. for probably his entire life. Yes. So whenever he was in this particular part of his life in this isolation that does kind of make sense why it was like whoa what is going on um one thing that i do think is like reading something like this does make me think about myself um like i was saying and just his approach to his spirituality i think is so interesting yeah and i know you haven't really you haven't gotten to that point in the book where he starts Uh -uh. more talking about that kind of stuff but he just his ability to accept a feeling or a vibe and then explore it and be like, all right, I'm going to go figure this out. Yeah. To have a dream like he has. a There's a point where he has a dream about floating in the Amazon River. And he says, you know what? I apparently there's something I need to learn on the Amazon River. So he goes. Wow. And he like has this whole experience. And there's that is going to be an, a theme throughout the book of there's one particular dream coming back and him having multiple experiences like this, but just being able, be, being able to one, be wealthy enough to just do that. Yeah. Well, 
Like I've I've got a project coming in six months. I have the time to go. I have the time you know, and the money the to indulge a dream. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, you look at him and he's never lost. And I think this is one like a trap that a lot of people fall into. He's never lost the ability to be like, you know what? I'm I'm really just a country boy from a poor family. Yeah. Of convicts. Yeah. And I need to calm down. And I think that his stories are so interesting because he's constantly working as hard as he can to remind himself of that fact. Yeah. But I mean, just to be as young as he was and to get that kind of immediate fame that he got after the, was it Lincoln lawyer? Or, uh, no, that was later. This was the Sandra uh, Bullock made time to kill. Yeah. 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 After time to kill, um, which was really his first big, big role. Um, which is a great story. Can't wait for you to get to that. Yeah. Just like about the process of things um, and the audition process of, and the way Hollywood works is just so messed up. It's like not oh, yeah. about, it's not about who's the most talented. It's, it's a numbers game. Like the only reason why he got that movie is because Sandra Bullock became superstar famous after speed. Yeah. And if she would not have gotten superstar famous, they would have never hired him. Yeah. Because he was unknown. I, he, so he since she was famous enough, he was then able to be put into that role. I think he would have eventually found fame. Like S Sandra Bullock well, was yeah, only would in eventually Speed because there, but. they were paying Keanu Reeves so much money, right? Mm -hmm. And then they pay an unknown to be his ingenue. And then, you know, she becomes famous off of that. So yeah. it's kind of like the trickle-down effect because they're like, well, this person is now so famous. But let's find an unknown to pair with them. And Well, I, it also came from him just straight up telling the director... Hey, who do you have in mind for the lead? And they said, "Oh, well, uh, this is kind of who we're, we're thinking about. These people. What What did you have in mind?" He said, "Me." And yeah. they laughed. <laughs> and then two months later, they called him, and they were like, "All right, we're gonna let you read." Yeah. And it wasn't even his reading that got him the job. After he read, they said, "Okay, now I want you to do this entire scene in your own words and throw the script out." And apparently, he just went absolutely. And it was a screen test, so there was. Other actors there, they were all in costume, you know, makeup, the whole whole nine yards, all on film. And he just, like, says he went crazy, frothing at the mouth, insane, and just went for it as far as he possibly could go. And he got the job. That's awesome. But, you know, I, I think about that times in my life that I have ever been that free in an audition space mm. and felt so comfortable and confident in myself and that, that I was like, yeah, I, I can, I can do this. I can go this far. This is a safe space enough that I can push this to the limit and it might be the absolute wrong thing. And if it is, so be it. I'm moving on. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever been that brave. I can think of one for me and I didn't get the job. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, I'm sure there's been moments, but it's just, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think that that's so admirable. Yeah. I, I just, I never thought that I would have this much respect for Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Well, you know. I've always thought he was interesting. And honestly, it was True Detective that did it for me. I was like, ooh, oh, this man. So and really, Time to Kill is really good. Yeah. I mean, he's really, really good in that movie. For me, I, I remember, uh, and I know we're like literally just like regaling over him and his accomplishments. I can't help it. I don't care. Read but the book. It's amazing. The, <laughs> When he did the He's film, so good. Mud was See, the I first time. I haven't watched time. that yet, and I know I need it's to watch so it. It's so freaking excellent. Yeah. Like, I remember watching that, and I was, 
I was seeing him as someone totally different because it was the first time he <laughs> he had he had made a movie where he was well he had taken that two year break from rom coms yeah. and just sort of like disappeared. He had done like the Leonardo DiCaprio I mean, he didn't thing. Want to take a two year break? It yeah. just took that long for people to stop sending him those scripts yes. and then to absolutely forget about him to the point of being like, oh, okay. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, you. And then Mud leads him to, uh, immediately after that, Lincoln Lawyer. But because of Mud, he got Interstellar. Yeah. Because of Mud, he got uh, the Martin Scorsese Wolf of Wall Street bit that he did in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy crap. Then he wins the, Actually, the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. In Dallas Buyers Club, that was the first one. Dallas Buyers Club, it was right in the beginning of that, I think, is when they did Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. And it was just for that one scene. And, you know, his approach to it is so interesting. He, well, I, I just know that he quotes Mud as being the thing yeah. that everybody noticed him in. But, yeah. Right. Yeah, sorry. Um, and I might be wrong, but I, that's just what I'm I remember from wrong. reading. Um, we're both wrong. Someone tells mm-hmm. us different. Uh, but he talks about throughout his career in the beginning, he was really hung up on just one line so he can know his his man that's what he calls his yeah. character his man so i can know my man um and he says one line just kind of does it for him he finds a, a, a tie in to the character and his line for wolf of wall street was a thing about cocaine yeah that's the only thing i can remember something about like cocaine and something else and the guy and he was like oh yeah i know this guy i can do this yeah it's like well after hearing some of your stories you definitely know that guy <laughs> but um and, and it's the same thing with Dazed and Dazed and Confused. There was one line that he tied in. Yeah. And then to find out that he improved. Did you hear that? Did you uh-uh. read this yet? Uh-uh. I'm sorry. I'm just like no, ruining the book for you're everybody. Good. But he, the first time this guy goes on set, this is why I'm just like the right place at the right time and being lucky is the the most currency you can ever have. Yeah. He shows up for a screen test, like for them, to, not a screen test, for them to to check his wardrobe and makeup for the director yeah. for Days and Confused. Never done a film in his life, never been on a film set. And they put him in the outfit. The director sees it and he's like, hey, what do you think about your guy? Like, you know, he's kind of a ladies man. What do you think he would what do you think he would say about a redhead? And he's like, well, I think he likes all women, no matter how smart they are, no matter what color their hair is. He just likes women. He's like, oh, cool. What if you in this scene we're filming today, what if your character pulls up and tries to pick up the girl <laughs> and he's not supposed to be, and he was like, Oh yeah, sure. Let's do it. This is that yes thing. Yeah. And he says, you know, there's no lines. So just, you know, whatever you think your character would say to pick her up. So we're just going to pull the camera out. You're going to pull in, stop. We're going to turn the camera on and, you know, just say whatever it is that you need to say to pick her up. And so he, is looking around and he says he's looking in his car and he's like, all right, I know, I know this guy. I know who he is. This is, um, this is, I think he kept saying this was, his, this is my brother, Pat. I know this guy, my brother, Pat. I know how he, I know what he's going to say. He said, I got my, my eight track player. This is awesome. I'm in my car. It was a cool car. This is what I need to do. I've got my, I've got my nice shirt on. Like, this is awesome. I know who this guy is. And I need to say, I've got, I've got all three things, got all three things. And now I just need the girl. And so he pulls up. And he says, oh, I got all these three things, but I need to know what to say. And so in order to buy himself some time, and he was counting all the things that he had, he said, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so he get the fourth thing. Isn't that nuts? That's insane. And that be, has become 
basically his like that's his epitaph. Yeah. <laughs> those three words. He's like, and now people have this tattooed on them. Yeah. It's on T-shirts and baseball caps. And he said, you know, and every time that I see it, I don't I never get upset when people ask me to say it. Or when I see it, it makes me happy because it was the first three things I ever said on a film set. And it's yeah. always around to remind me. Like, what ridiculousness. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting to hear that in juxtaposition to other people, like other actors who are famous that are in these iconic scenes that hate saying yeah. those things. Yeah. And it it's does like, kind of become to haunt you. Yeah. And, and but like Alan Rickman's character in Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> But to have someone like that that is so grounded enough to be like, no, this is what made me famous. Yeah. It's because of this. I have all of these other things. And it just reminds me of where I started. I just love that. Yeah. And I'm sure it does get old after a while having something like that with people following you. But it's just awesome that he's always rooting himself back in. Yeah. But, but still, I, just I, the confidence. Oh, yeah. To be on a movie level. set? I mean, I've been on a movie set. I know how intimidating it is. Immediately, oh, yeah. no matter how confident you are in your role or, in his words, how much you know your guy, yeah. like, it doesn't matter. You you go out there and everybody has done hours of labor just to get to your moment. Mm -hmm. And then they wait on you like, you better you do deliver. This, do this perfect as soon as you can. Well, that was like that. Like, we want to do one take and then we want to be done. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting to me to hear that because that was back in the day when it was actually on film. Yeah. Like actual film it in was. the can film. And to have uh the director say, Hey, look, what if what if we took about an hour to set up this mm -hmm. this one shot, get the lighting right? It was Richard Linklater, I believe. Well, that makes sense. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it absolutely was. I don't know why, like, yeah. Yeah. But to, to have them take the time to set the shot up for you to have these three lines and then to him to have the confidence to deliver. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think about often in, in film is how great these people are when there's a hundred people on the other side oh, yeah. of what we're seeing and they're delivering these goods. Mm. And the camera's a foot away from their face. Oh yeah. But it makes the thing look like it's so empty and so big mm -hmm. and, and that was that was one of the most shocking things for me being on a movie set. It's just realizing how many people are watching. Yeah. It's like performing for an audience, essentially. Yes, except the audience just wants you to be done so they <laughs> yes. can move on. <laughs> <laughs> like you have the guy and the, the sound except guy. Except for the director the who's I don't like, know, I don't know, we gotta hurry up and get this yeah. shot because I'm tired of this. I yeah, we are copy. literally chasing the sun. <laughs> like that's what I think is also interesting. You do a film and they have people, they set up, they they take their time setting everything up, they get everything ready. You get there and they're like, listen, we have got 20 minutes of light left. So this is you. We yeah. only have this set. We only have this location for the rest of today. Yes. So um, get it. <laughs> I listened to this one person talk about um, a director we were I was at some like seminar thing or whatever. And these this this person was talking about the director that they were working with set up this shot that was storyboarded. Yeah. Like this shot is the one that we need, but they liked the lighting for this other thing that they were going to do later. So they take their time and they set up everything to go the other way instead. And by the time they had set up, that light was lost. So then they wasted a whole day. Mm -hmm. They lost all of their filming time that day trying to set up for this perfect thing that they couldn't capture. And it was like, if you'd have just done the first shot. Yeah. What? We could have like, it. oh, we know what this looks like tomorrow. We can do this other thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's also interesting. I mean, I, I feel like I was waiting a lot once it got into the filmography part of his yeah. career 
which was never really the focus of the whole book, which is also something that I loved. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like, oh, yeah, and then yada, 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 yada. Um, I did not realize that they did Dallas Buyers Club with four and a half million dollars. So what? That's that's their it was their entire budget was four and a half million dollars. They shot it in like 20 days before they even began shooting. He just he was like, look, I've read the script. We're doing it. He got a he found a director that he liked. He like optioned it to the director. The director signed off. And he was like, look, bare minimum. I I can't see us doing this movie for anything under seven. And that's that's like me cutting every corner that I possibly can cut. Yeah. And he was like, well, OK, we'll, we'll shoot for seven up until like the week before day one of shooting. They had no money. There was no investors. There was nobody. Nobody wanted that's to produce so the movie. Interesting to hear. And then it kind of goes with, I think, something you and I have talked a lot about of the best things happen on a shoestring. Yeah. I mean, it's when you're forced into a corner and you're like, all right, we have got to figure this out. Because you don't have you don't have the ability to to be like, yeah, all right, well, it doesn't really matter because we have the money, so it's whatever. Yeah. Like, we'll figure it out. Throw some money at it. I mean, you have to really be intentional. I think that's the thing. Like, you have to be so intentional with every moment. Yeah. I can't wait for you to get this stuff about Dallas Buyers Club. So you saying that reminds me, because we talked about this, uh, the Wonder Woman film. Woof. And I, you know, in private conversation, I guess I don't mind dogging on things a little bit. But yeah. You have there there is You have something that has more money than it needs. Yes. And so many resources and great actors. Yes. And you watch it and you think, ooh. Yeah, you have to you have to like sit there <laughs> and wonder. Is there another cut? <laughs> yeah, right. Is there a Snyder cut for this too? Is there a different one? Um but and the scene that I that you brought to mind there is um, the scene that I was telling you about that is so horrendous is there's these kids on this road and Wonder Woman swings in to save them, but yeah, the CGI, with these tanks, yeah, like with a, like did not understand this tank battle. Her this, fighting these tanks for what felt like an <laughs> yes. hour. These these this CGI in this particular shot is so horrible that if I'm the director, I cut it. I, it doesn't make the final cut of the film. We find another way well, to move around. Well, it didn't do anything it. for the movie either. Yes. To be honest, I mean, it served no purpose other than to show us some bad graphics. Yeah. <laughs> and and you think that and like, shot oh, she let, you know, she she's yes, she's I don't want to give anything. She's heroic. Yeah. And but, she's done this thing and now we know that it's even more. But that shot alone is the budget of the the Dallas <laughs> Buyers Club. Club. Exactly. <laughs> and you think to yourself, "Wow." And they are, of course, very different films. Yes, in yes, a very yes, different yes, style. Yes. But it's just, I do think that it is awesome that in that optimistic, if you think it, you make it so Jim Carrey way of doing things. Yeah, that he just <laughs> manifested it so hard that he went from two ten to one hundred and thirty five pounds in six months of That's just saying. To me. And this was before they even had the option to do the movie. Yeah. So when he that's that's why I remember Wolf of Wall Street happening there because it happened whenever he started losing weight. That's right. I remember he was so thin in that shot. Yeah. Yes. Um, which lended itself to his character being on cocaine. Yeah. But it just it's it's still I mean, he got down to one thirty five and then the research that he was that he was able to do and the stuff that he went to. It just 
You know, it. I, I wrote a quote on the board that if you can read my handwriting, you could read it because I don't want to. Is it mess the one it at up. the top? Or it's the, the one at the top. It says, "The sooner we become less impressed with our life, our accomplishments, our career, the prospect in front of us, and more involved with these things, the sooner we get better at doing them." Yeah, which is like to me the entire book. Yeah. Is he always says, I want to be more involved and less impressed. Yeah. And that to me is so huge. I'm like, yeah. Because, I mean, in our industry, it's all about entertaining people and getting accolades. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, that's how we know we're doing a good job. When people are talking about us, we hear that people are talking yeah. about us. And I think, in a way, you get addicted to that. Mm. And you think, man, yeah, okay, my career is impressive. I enjoy being the artistic good actor guy that has like these cool ideas to do stuff and people like it. And, you know, I enjoy people asking me like, where does that come from? Like, how do you do this? I could never do that. Like, I enjoy hearing that. Yeah. But that's not what it's about. That's not why we do it, but you get lost along the way. Yeah. And if you can get lost when you don't get any money for it, I can only imagine what it's like when it's like, man, I'm doing this job. I'm doing like, is one of his first things, we was talking about Angels in the Outfield, which I totally forgot he was in it. And I was like, oh, my God, he is, is in that he movie. Is he in that movie? Yeah. He was, Shut the front door. He's, he's not he's in, in that, that movie. movie. Oh, no. I will show you. We'll, I don't have we'll, we'll, my We'll look phone. it up later. Yes. Um, you're like, please don't make me edit that out. <laughs> this will be another one of those things. Yeah, he's like an outfielder in Angels in the Outfield. and really? Yeah. And I just remember he has the shot where he catches the like he can't catch anything. And he catches the ball and he falls on it on his face and he like lifts it up and the ball's in there. And it's like the first act, like the guy, car- the angel carries him through the air. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But he got this movie and it paid him like forty eight thousand dollars to play baseball. And the way he got that job, he didn't even audition. He was in like a audition room. The director walked in. He was like, hey, you know how to play baseball? He said, Yeah. Yeah, I know how to play baseball. Played baseball since I was, you know, in the like Kander T ball all the way up to high school. He's yeah. like, cool. Um, we're gonna be shooting in like Pennsylvania in ten weeks. This is what we're gonna give you. We'll see you there. He's like, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. And that just like that happening, but it also like he got that after going on this self journey of yeah, you know, discovering who he was. Just it's it's very cool. That throughout his life, he had people that were constantly being like, no, you need to be level-headed about this. Yeah. He also, like, right in the very beginning, Don Phillips told him, he said, the minute that you need Hollywood is when you will no longer have it. Yeah. He said, you have to make it to where you're just okay with it. It's not a big deal. So you need to have other things in your life. Yeah. This can't be the first thing, which I think is true. Um, But, yeah, the Angels in the Outfield thing, I can't believe you didn't know that. That's that's so interesting to me. But, but to hear for him that- to get that and then be able to move on yeah, and continue to get more money. Like, oh, I started at 48000 That, to me, is huge. That's a year salary. That's, yes. I was <laughs> like, man, that's a year. Um, and then to to then get your next movie that's $5 million, what does that do to your brain? Yeah. Well, especially whenever you've grown up in an environment where you've had nothing mm-hmm. and, you know. Well, I think we're seeing it a lot. Um with today's influencers. Yeah. I think we're seeing a lot of what a lot of money does to people. Yeah. I mean, it's just like every lottery winner, how yeah they 
they just like fall to pieces. They you lose all their money and their family members. Somebody dies. Like yes. there's always a murder. You have you have like these David Dobrik types that are David Dobrik. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. Well, he's he's one of the most popular YouTube influencers right now. Oh, okay. Going, um, I but think he, you've told me about this guy before. Yeah, but he gives away a lot of money and things like that. But at the same time, it's like... Oh, that's what it was. You said it on this podcast when I said I was going to vinyl your entire car and then just buy you a new one. And you were oh, like, oh, yeah, David he Dobrik. Did that. He did like, who is that? It. Yeah. Um, it's good that I haven't learned anything <laughs> in the like four months since that happened. Uh, but he... like, you, you, We're seeing all these people absolutely start spending ungodly amounts of money to drive a Tesla to... To like, you don't need a Tesla. You're you're twenty something years old. You shouldn't be driving Ferraris. I'm sorry, you shouldn't. No, 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 no. And, and they're buying four million dollar mansions and things like that. And it's like, okay, so that's what the money does. And and like you said, the minute you need that, yeah, it's gonna it's, go away. It's gonna go away. That's what I would think. It was like this house is not your forever home. Yeah, because this thing that you have capitalized on is not gonna be there forever. Well, I think you 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 worded it perfectly there. This house is not your home. Yeah, it's it's definitely. And not. watching like the uh, because I also got HBO Max to watch stuff now too, especially <laughs> Wonder Woman. Um, but I watched the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion, which oh, I think you watched so too. Amazing. But to have them say like it's not the money, it's not the episodes, it's not any of that other stuff. It was the family that we had. Yeah. Like that. Like that was but their. They home. were able to form a bond. Yeah. Like they they felt like. That set was their home. Mm-hmm. Those people were their family members. And that's more important, I believe, truthfully. Well, just in that with their approach, I really loved that they had an, an entire before the show even started, like a musical performance with every <laughs> yeah, member, audience. even with like they had like people going out with a tambourine and yeah. introducing themselves and did it like a show like they were their own hype men. Yeah, there was no audience warmer or whatever. You know, it was like we're just going to go out there and and do it ourselves. Yeah. And then the energy that that gave to the show. It's just it's awesome. You like hearing about that kind of stuff. I just I, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. It's probably because we are also those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> we're just not getting paid any money for it. Yeah. Right. Man, I could have some Will Smith money. That would be cool. You know, but if I we've talked about that before, if I had that much money, I can't imagine my life being that much different no. other than the theater would be OK. Yeah. Um, I might put an addition onto the house. <laughs> like I'd be like, I'm, we're going for a bigger bathroom. Like yeah. I'm going for the bathroom for my drinks. You're going to get that space bathroom where it's, it's like, it's gonna everything. Be yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Um, my toilet seat's going to have a warmer on it. Like it's going to be great. <laughs> I'm going to have a Japan, one of those Japanese $10,000 toilets. That's what I'm going to go for. Oh but, yes. I mean, but other than that, I can't imagine anything else changing. Yeah. I could still I go to work. age and perspective. Yeah. I think we have both of them, which is what McConaughey has. Yeah. But, you know, also when he was our age, his life was very different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Started when he was, oh, how old is he? Like 18 when he got his first movie? Yeah, because he had just come out of high school. He went to Australia for a year. And, and then went stuff. to A&M. Yep. Uh, hey, that uh, that probably exhausts McConaughey for me. Or anybody that wants to hear about Matthew McConaughey. True. And if you haven't seen True Detective, just understand he gives oh one gosh. of the most flawless performances. He, he does say that that's what gave him the Oscar. He said, really, that was the best thing that he could have done for himself. He's like, well, I did Dallas Buyers Club, but then every Sunday I was in your home. Yeah. 
in True Detective. And so I was just around all the well, time. What's so great about that is he's playing this character in three different timelines, basically. Yeah. And they are so radically different. Like I'm watching this and my mind is just blown. That was the minute that I became a massive McConaughey fan. Oh, yeah. True Detective did it for me. That's that was for sure. But I just want to encourage people like get the book, look at his body of work and just know that this man is so wild and yet mm. humble. <laughs> and just, you know, just because you have somebody who's doing these romantic comedies or, you know, these these like fluff films, I guess, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they're not worthy. You know, yeah. they're not bad actors. <laughs> it's just, no, yeah. this is what's going He's on. He's not this had an what, opportunity the, yet. The hand that they've been dealt and they're capitalizing on it. Oh, since the book is all about green lights and basically if you want something, you have to manifest it mm-hmm. yourself. What is, and I know this is totally off script and you're like giving me those wide eyes right now. Um, <laughs> More or less afraid, like, oh my gosh, I hope I have an answer. What is your, what is your, this. what is your 2021 uh, resolution or what do you hope to green light in your life going forward? Well, every single cast member of To Kill a Mockingbird knows what mine is, which was I finished this book and then I wrote a very long email to everyone. A very passionate email. I, I want to emphasize that well yeah and it was long and i sent it out to everybody just about you know i don't want to i was so hung up about doing this show the absolute right way and i still feel like that i am gonna i want to do this particular show in the absolute right way yeah but i think that i can be a little bit more forgiving in what that looks like yeah because i think with this group of people and doing it now it's going to be the right way no matter how we do it yeah and really every show that we've ever done has been right. Mm-hmm. So I just need to get over myself basically and just let it go and stop being so bitter. I think that's really what it was just like carrying that monkey on my back all the time Yeah, and letting it go and being like, all right, we're going to just for, forget it, forgive and forget and move yeah. on and, and capitalize on it. Having think, to let go of the original vision you mean? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I also think knowing that when we originally planned our season for 2020, we sat down after we were done. We were like, this looks great. And we moved on. And then we didn't really think about the fact that I would also be directing two shows at the Fox theater. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be six, seven shows. And then a show at my school, which is, you know, it's nonstop all year, eight shows. And then a kid's show at the Fox. That's nine shows. It's just, it's a lot to do. And, um, not, doesn't leave a lot of time for, Things like this, like what you and I are doing. I mean, yeah. I know that this is a podcast and this is kind of in its own way a part of our business. Yeah. But it is really just a time for that you and I get to hang out. And if I were doing that many shows, I don't know if I'd be able to do this anymore. It would be scene partner. Yeah, I I did. I did think about that the other day. I was like, well, you know, if everything just went back to normal tomorrow, you know, January yeah. 1, uh, if everything goes back to normal, what what do we have time for then? Because yeah. When do we I'm doing have time to do these all things? these other shows as an actor? You're doing mm-hmm. all these shows as a director, which is why I like to ask you these questions about burnout and you know how do you stay fresh for every show and keep yeah. vision. And um, but, but yeah. there are things that I'm not willing to let go of. Like it's almost like I've I've been I've been given the keys to the castle. I'm not turning them back in. You yeah, know? like I I I was given this time. I feel like we talked about that the the ability to kind of have a hard reset. Yeah, and kind of reading that book for me was just 
an affirmation. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, there is a time and a place for everything, but no matter what, the most important thing is inside of this house, really. It's yeah. just my relationship with my wife and my, my friends and my family. Like that, that is the important thing. Everything else is secondary in a yeah. way. And, you know, I, when I first came down here, um, where I was working, I had to make a huge shift with that whenever it was not serving me anymore. Yeah. And there was, you know, things needed to move on. And that was a hard decision. And I think this is going to also be a hard decision because it, I, now I'm thinking, all right, so how many shows are we going to do in a year? Yeah. And am I going to lose some of those shows that I was planning on doing originally? Cause I still want to do those shows. And for me, it's really hard for me to be like, all right, I have the ability to do this and I'm going to sit back on my heels and wait. Yeah. That is hard, 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 hard for me to do. Cause I just feel like we should just go. Yeah. But I know Lexi doesn't want to spend 10 hours at the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I would be just fine. I'd be happy. I'd be like, you know what? This, I'm tired, but I'm good. Like this is my, this is the place where I want to be. So it's, it's hard to realize like, you know what, doing this, you, you get so used to the hustle of it and the moving forward and the new thing that you don't really sit and what's going on around you. Yeah. Looking for the next thing. You're not as present. Yeah. And so I think for me, just being present and listening to the people around me, I mean, the whole thing of, Hey, it's, I'm so excited that you moved home, but we never get to see you. Mm. Like that's a hard thing to, to hear. Yeah especially when you're like working 80 hour weeks you're like, man, why am I? <laughs> yeah. Well, you work eight hours. This. Yeah. You work eight hours at, at, at home and then you go to work the theater for another, you know, six to maybe eight hours. Yeah. It just, you're there. You're always working. Mm-hmm. I mean, even at school when I'm teaching, I'm thinking about theater stuff. Yeah. Like you just, that's kind of one of the things about owning a company or being an actor or whatever role you play in it. It's always on your mind in some way. So there's not a moment that you're really resting. And for me, like whenever I come home and I relax, that's what I think about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need to I need to clear my head for a minute. I'm going to go think about To Kill a Mockingbird. Like I just, I reorganized that entire set. Yeah. And Which looked awesome, by the way. I'm excited about it. I, I'm, I do think it was kind of interesting. Lexi was a part of that process in a way that she has not been before. And she was like, yeah, you cannot do this. <laughs> like, well, well, wait a second. Like, you just need to hold on. I'm just like throwing things at the like, wall right you now. Can't, you can't edit in the beginning stage of a brainstorm. That's not the way that this works. Yeah. I mean, of course, after a while, I'll probably realize that this won't work or that it's inappropriate or, you know, it's tacky or whatever. But eventually I will get to where I need to get to. But you can't right from the beginning start editing things out. Yeah. Let's explore every idea to see what to does and doesn't work. All the options. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think like, you know, she got me this, Lexi bought me this book. She knew I wanted to read it and she might regret it now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially when she didn't see me for like a whole day. I was like, all right, I'm going to read this book now. Yep. Um, but I, I do, I, I envy, I envy the book. I think I envy it in a Mm. way of him being at a point where he can just give himself this opportunity to really sit back and be so introspective and to have the cushion of the money, to be honest. I mean, that's very appealing of just being like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. I go to the desert for three weeks and write a book and it'll it'll be all right. 
or be able to be a point in your career where you can say, I don't want to do romantic comedies anymore. I'm going to call my accountant and see how long I can not do a movie. And then for your accountant to say, ah, you're good. Yeah. You've done a good job saving or whatever. So just however long you need, take whatever time you need. I mean, you're good. Two years go by and you don't feel that. That's yeah, that must be nice. I'm sure his agents and uh, he told his agent too. told his agent. And he was like, I and he said, I got a really nice response back. And he said, I really didn't think I don't think that the people you work for are going to be really excited. And he was like, no, 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 I work for you. If this is what you want to do, this is what we're doing. I mean, you have an agent and you're Matthew McConaughey and you have a lot of money. I'm sure that that agent is like a very good agent. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, you, whatever you decide, buddy, we've yeah. made a lot of money. That's, Let's go. Yeah. Sure, his commission took a, a hard hit. I'm sure he's more than made up for it yeah, as a result. Point. <laughs> but you know, he also talks about right after Dallas Buyers Club, he comes back, he gets wins an Oscar. All the scripts start coming in again, these amazing movies. Does them, and none of them perform very well in the box office. Yeah. Interstellar, by all accounts, was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Same thing for Mudd. You know, didn't perform super well. Yeah. So just looking at all of those films, he's like, so I don't really know. I don't know what I don't know what the deal is. You just never know. You just work hard. Basically. Yeah. Um, what is yours? What's your green light for 2021? I think because you've kind of been hounding I guess me. This kind of is our. Yeah. Our New green Year's. Light. Yeah. Sorry. That's, I mean, it makes sense. This is such a good even though it is all about Matthew McConaughey. It is really a good New Year's episode. Yeah. Um, and, and I encourage everyone to at least take the time to read that for sure. Um, it definitely helped me feel better about things. Refocus, reconcile. I yeah, think the, that's all really the things what it's all that you about. want at the beginning of something. But I think this year, and since you've been on my case and reading this, it's really encouraging to, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write something. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I'm going to write something. And and hopefully uh, you'll give me the proper feedback to hone that in and make it better. <laughs> but after all these years of talking about it and being encouraged from other people, I think uh, I think it's time to really sit down and be serious about it at this age of my life. I mean, I guess there is no age time but the presence. Yeah. You know, about the present. Um, I've heard from people who write and perform, and I think we've talked about it, but the best way that you become better at it is doing. Yeah, do it. And, and give you permission. And being okay if it's yeah. bad. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things that I respect about Dax uh, Shepard is he's like, give yourself permission to write something terrible. Yeah, to fail. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's everything with acting, too. Because I know that you and I oftentimes, because we're similar in this way, mm-hmm. like, I want it to be perfect. Well, I want it to be perfect. I want to show you perfection. Yeah. I want to impress you that, like, how mm-hmm. good this can be right out the gate. And right. it doesn't have to be. It does not. I mean, that's what it was today. I was doing that acting coaching for somebody mm-hmm. for a film audition. And th- that is mainly what we talked about. Yeah. It was like, you. this is when you're doing a self-tape. That This is whenever you fail as hard as you can and just yes. see whatever works and choose the best option. Like, I mean, you have there's, there's nobody in the room that's going to judge you. Yep. So do everything and really find what works best. Yeah. Because you also like time is on your side. Mm-hmm. You, this is not just a one shot deal. Like you're not going into a talent agency and st- or a casting director's office and standing there and you got one shot. Yeah. Maybe two. Like you have all day. <laughs> Go for it. You're right. 
Spend some time. <laughs> take some breaks. Go back to it. Like, I mean, I think that people are always, I mean, and you and I are the same way, but just in that search for perfection, literally right out the gate, and yeah. they don't give themselves the opportunity to luxuriate in their failure. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, that running at the edge of the cliff and not knowing if there's a bridge there or not, but yeah. running anyway. That's huge. I know one thing, it's definitely made me want to, um, like this year, as far as perspective-wise, of just really starting to hone in about the way that I feel in particular about things mm-hmm. and the type of theater that I want to produce. I, w- I want to produce the shows I want to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm no dreams of grandeur that our theater company is going to make us an insane amount of money. I, <laughs> I understand that. I think Lexi yeah. understands that more than I do, <laughs> but I mean, I know this is not, this is not the thing that's going to pay for us to have a house. You know, this yeah. is not, this isn't that thing. Um, but it is something that is in my mind, incredibly important for mm-hmm. our area and that needs to be done. And I, and it also, brings me so much joy and satisfaction to do it because I feel like it does need to be here. Um, So I think for me, just keeping that in perspective for when we're doing things and I'm tired. Yeah. And really how incredibly lucky we are. Yeah. To to be able to do this. Yeah. And that I have to do it well. I have to do it well. And I'm not going to rest on my laurels, you know, just being like, you know what? I, Technically, I could show up and I could just direct the scene based off of whatever's in front of me and it'll be okay. Like, I've, I've yeah. done this enough. <laughs> it's fine. Like, it's fine just doesn't work anymore, I don't think. I think... Because why? Why not? Why not? Like, even though we're not going to make a whole bunch of money and we're we're doing theater in central Louisiana, I don't think that it should just be okay. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. It should be the best. We, I mean, we should be doing as good a theater as possible, so good that people talk about it. Like, why not be able to do the edgier things Yeah, and to bring a whole new audience in there? I mean, we definitely have the hokey family stuff down. Like, that yeah. is around. People are yes. doing it. You can bring your family to, to go see any musical at any time. It seems like every other weekend there's <laughs> yes. a musical going on. But, like, you know, there is more to theater than just that. Yeah. And not everything has to be family-oriented. Stories need to be told. Stories of of like failure and loss and all these yeah. other things that are that are happening around us. Like those stories need to be told as well. And people need to see it being told too. And I think it's important. And this might be the only time I'll let it slide. Uh, is uh, what Matthew McConaughey's dad says to him when he says that he wants to be an actor. Yeah, don't half don't ass it. it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a hundred percent, a hundred percent right. And um, I I know moving forward that's 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 gonna be me. I know this this I'm book try really has hard me to remind really motivated. So. Yeah, and I think that the power of words is a big thing. Yes, and I know I wrote that on the board, but it is is definitely so intentional. You know, he write he said in the book about uh, the word that needs to be stricken from the English language is the word unbelievable. Yeah. And I've heard him say this before, actually. Um, but it is so true. He's like, why is it unbelievable? You just saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It is believable. Or like, oh, man, that's unbelievable. It's not unbelievable. It's believable. 
Like it seems like such a negative spin immediately. Yeah. And just that your words have power and the things that you say to people. I, I mean, and I know I, I think about the way I have to phrase things all the time, especially whenever you're working with kids, because what you say is huge Yeah, and it sticks and you don't want to be the person that says something to a kid that then it's like they carry it with them. Yeah. The well, especially since you're the, ba- you have that barrier of I am the teacher or I am yes. the director and they respect you for it. And it feels like so much is riding on it mm-hmm. and you, it's just so easy as a director or a teacher, any kind of position of authority to humiliate someone mm-hmm. and not necessarily when you mean to, but you're given the floor and your opinions have been given weight. And if you don't use that power in the right way, you can really hurt. Mm-hmm. So I guess just being more and like trying even harder to be intentional with the words that I say. Yeah. Is another huge, huge thing. And you know, we, we both, we, we both try to be super positive about the way that we approach theater um, and the way that we talk about it as well, even whenever we don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because it is such a subjective thing and not everybody is going to like everything that you do. I mean, I promise you that people have come to see our shows and been like, I don't know why they did that. Yeah. <laughs> but there's always a reason. Yeah. And it is also so easy. It's so easy to fall in a trap of going to see a show so that you can talk bad about it because it makes you look like you know what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be that person. I mean, I, I've seen that in every stage of life from just community theater actors to just professional to to everything. I mean, you, you go through the gambit, through the levels, Mm -hmm. I guess, of success and everybody does it. And what's crazy is, we should never be that way. No, you should never tear something down to build yourself up. Yeah. That's not that's not the way it works. You should add on to. And especially in a community. Because yeah. you're, you're literally destroying the word community in exactly. that instance. But and yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we solved any problems with this one. Other than I do, well, encouraging I do have people to... so much hope. I mm-hmm. do have a lot of hope. And I can't tell you how much fun it was to sit down and to really think about the first show again and then to think about you know how in the world are we going to raise money for this show because lord knows we've had nine months of inactivity <laughs> yes. and nine months of theater bills yeah <laughs> it's like whoo okay this is gonna be i mean it's strange to think but it's like starting a business over yeah when we come out of this is gonna be just like and it's gonna have i know it's gonna have that exact same feeling because it already does it feels yeah. like we're we're starting over from square one so it's going to be just like when you and I did Greater Tuna for the yeah. first time. Like, here we go. We're going to see what happens. We're going to ask people if we can pay them after. <laughs> and hope for the best. Hey, right. Do you, uh, do you do invoices? Yeah. <laughs> here is an IOU. Because uh, we just want to, we really want to tell the story we think is important. So can we pay you later? <laughs> right. <clears throat> so what, uh, what do you want to end on? What's a, what's a hopeful Going into the new year, what's what's something you want to end this episode with a hope thing? Positivity. My, you know what is cool? My a, a friend of mine, John Mark Jernigan. Whoa, that was I was having a really his search. name is my name too. Is yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, is that? I'm hoping that's his last name because if I just screwed it up, I'd feel so bad. But John Mark 
has a thing on Instagram that he started at the beginning of this called Micro Hopes, mm. which I just think is so cool. It's such a cool thing. He reached out to everybody and to send in little short videos of just like, this is a small hope that I have. Like it could be the tiniest hope. Like I, I hope that when I am on my way home that I remember to check to make sure that I have gas so that I don't make in the morning me upset. <laughs> and like, yes. you know, like something like that, like a, a very small hope or like I hope that when I get home, everybody's in a good mood and we can have a good night and that we go to bed with happy feelings or you yeah. know, whatever. And I just really think that very much in a what about Bob baby steps way of just thinking about the small hopes. Mm. So because I will say it's very easy for us to put the cart before the horse about things. Yes. So yes, I'm full fledged. You and I planning about our performance of To Kill a Mockingbird when the theaters are still closed, but I don't care. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey lost, you know, almost a hundred pounds. Yeah. <laughs> to do a movie that was not green lighted. So we're we're gonna just continue to plan. But I my micro hope is that people continue to do what they need to do so that we can do what we need to do. Yeah. So that they continue to be safe and intentional with where they go and what they do so that this virus can leave us and people take the vaccine and we can perform again. Yeah. That's my, that actually is a lot. That's a massive hope. <laughs> what I just <laughs> See, even, even just now. So, but, it, but it's your starting hope. small. It is my hope. Well, of course that's my bigger hope, but right now my hope is that you and I, get together and we come up with the plan to put on the most amazing to kill a mockingbird for when this is over. Yeah. So planning it. That's my micro hope. That's your micro hope. What's yours? Micro hope. You're going to shave your legs. Uh, Yep. That's it. I want them smooth. I want to finish shaving my (laughs) legs. Kind (laughs) of. Go get them waxed and like everything. Like a sticky piece of pasta. That's what I want. Okay. You're welcome. Uh, That sounds like a good place to end. Yeah. Um, so, uh, here's to you. Here's to us. Here's to, yes, because you're Chris. And you're Cody.